little dog sombrero, and you can laugh at that. That's okay. That's, that's a good joke. You can, that's a good joke. It has a little maracas on it. And what I love about it, too, is that it's not just like a... You know what I mean? Kind of just makes you want to dance a little bit. Anybody have like some maracas? It's actually awkwardly long. It actually goes for quite some time, and I just kind of stare at it, and I'm like, hmm, when is this thing going to run out of batteries? Like one of these days. Oh, there you go. There you go. But anyway, I love this gift because it just reminds me of the people of our church. And it's like, you know, I'm not a huge dog person, but I love the sombrero. I love the maracas. So I'm just going to keep it. So this guy is going to stand here just as a reminder of like, sometimes it's not what you get, but it's who you get it from. And uh, because, you know, it's a sermon and, and a message and stuff like that, I'm going to connect it to how whenever I think about God and whenever I think about what he has done, it's so cool because he's the most amazing person ever. God is the most amazing thing we could ever have. And not only has he given us his son, Jesus, but like it's from God. Like we have this gift from God, which is just so incredible that the God of the universe would even think to give us a gift. It's so incredible to think that this gift was just himself and it was amazing. And we have this gift of Jesus who Jesus came to accomplish so many things and to fill so many roles. But during Christmas time, we're going to see these three roles that Jesus really fulfilled. And so last week, we looked at Jesus as the prophet. And we see that Jesus is the prophet because he came to speak the word of God as the word of God. And so then uh, this, this time around, this Sunday, we're going to see Jesus as the priest as the priest. And so I want you to go ahead and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 9, because that's what we're going to focus on, is, is Jesus as the priest. And as you turn there to Hebrews chapter 9, um, I want to give you some context, because there's these two things in this passage that for us, we have to really understand in order to like really wrap our minds around why this is so important. And so, well, the first thing we, I just want to help you understand is sacrifices. I want you to help you understand of what it looks like to be in a culture where sacrifices are like a real thing. So I have four pictures for you. Um, and before I show you the first picture, um, I just want to tell you who I got these pictures from because it's actually really cool. I don't know if you guys remember about three, four months ago, we did the same thing that we did uh, with the Turners here uh, a couple months ago with Shay Gibbons. And Shay Gibbons actually made it back from her missionary journey. And I got these pictures from her. And she's actually here today. So if you want to say what's up to her, you can definitely do that. Uh, but she was in South Africa. I don't, don't want to point her out too much. Uh, she was in South Africa, Morocco area. And uh, it's just so incredible to see everything that she has been able to accomplish and do. And so here's the first picture I want to give you because she was teaching English uh, with some kids. And here are some drawings and some coloring things that she did. So the, the things on this side. And one of the boxes was draw and color something that you celebrate. And so these kids begin to draw these um, Images and so this one's this one's really good, but let me show you this next one. So you have this next one that gives you a little bit more of a picture of, of what they're trying to celebrate, and it's and it's funny because you kind of have this little stick figure and it's you know has a knife I think in their hand and and you kind of have this sheep ram looking thing that's really happy to be there for the moment I think, and so you have this next picture. This next picture gives you. <laughs> It gives you a little bit more of a taste of what might be going on and what they might be celebrating. And at this point, the, the ram is really 
confused in like, what is going on right now in this moment? And, and if I remember correctly, this is also the picture where the person looks really happy. Is that, is that true? Is this the happy one? I don't know. But then here's my favorite. So I'm gonna show you my favorite one, okay? So the next one. <laughs> That's my favorite one because it's like, like the Rams like upside down. It's like, oh, what's going on? These, I'm gonna just leave this up here just for a little bit just so you can have this in your mind. But these are drawings and, and pictures of like little guys and girls. They're like this big, like I don't remember how old they are, maybe six, seven-ish around there. But they were just asked to, hey, draw and color something that's a part of your culture that you celebrate. And this is what they draw. Because in their culture, they still do these kind of sacrifices with rams. And there's all of these facts and details about it. Um, but it's just interesting to me that we still have cultures today that find it necessary to make sacrifices. And they, and they connect it to Abraham and how God gave Abraham a ram. And, and I just, I look at this and then I read the Bible and I'm like, yes, that's true in the Old Testament. But as we keep reading, you do understand that like God didn't just provide a ram for Abraham in that moment. But as we continue to read, God provided not just any lamb, but the lamb of God who is Jesus himself, who wasn't just a sacrifice for the people of Abraham, but for the entire world. And so I see this and I'm like, man, that's funny. And there's still these cultures that, you know, that do these kind of sacrifices. But again, as we're going to read in Hebrews chapter 9, man, there is something like this, but so much better that happened. There's something like this, but so much better. And that's what Jesus did. Not just, you know, for, for a little bit of people or a little group of people or for one time of history, but for all of history, for all people, for all kinds of individuals. And so I'm just reminded of this picture and just reminded of how important the work of, of Shay was when she was over there uh, to just help people understand, like, I understand that you get this culture, but there's something so much better than that. And his name is Jesus. And so if you're with me in Hebrews uh, chapter 9, uh, we're going to read a little bit. And then I want to continue to just give us a little bit more context of sacrifices and priests and what that looks like. Because the main focus that we see here just blows me away is that we have a God who sacrificed. We personally have a God who sacrificed. And so if you're with me in Hebrews chapter 9, I'm going to start in verse 11. And so starting in verse 11, it says this. But when Jesus came as high priest for the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands, that is to say, is not part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousness from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. So as we read this, there's, there's a lot to say there's a lot to unpack but the main focus is that we have a God who sacrificed and when we see this we don't just see the sacrifice but we see that Jesus is the priest he is the priest and he fulfilled that role of priest and so what was a priest and what is the role of a priest when we think of the role of a priest 
It's someone who was given by God this authority to rule over things, but also is this person who had the authority to represent God as well. So a priest is someone who rules and represents God himself. And I want to take you back to Genesis on how God gave Adam and Eve this this authority to rule and to represent him. So these priest-like figures to rule over. But then you keep going in, in the Old Testament and you see that God appointed priests and, and to be able to make sacrifices for people, for the people of Israel. Uh, but then we see not just a priest, but then we see a high priest. So this high priest was this person who, who was really, again, chosen by God, but they had to be of a specific lineage as well. And the lineage and in, in the, in the people group that he was supposed to be from was the group of Levi, the tribe of Levi. And so this person had to be from the right lineage of Levi, had to be right with God. And so this high priest managed the other priest. This high priest managed the offerings and, and when and where. And, and he oversaw all of these things to make sure that the people of God were presented clean and that there were these sacrifices in order to purify their sins. And there was all of these offerings in the Old Testament. And just to name a few, they had to manage and oversee things like the burnt offering, the meal offering, the bread offering, the sin offering, the guilt offering, the peace offering, the heaven offering, the drink offering, the incense offering, the thanksgiving offering. Like there's so many offerings that they just had to continue to keep in line and schedule and all that kind of stuff. And so these high priests would serve and, and do all of these things. But their main job, their main job was once a year, the day of atonement, their main job was to make a sacrifice for themselves first and then make a sacrifice for the people. And then their main job was to go into the tabernacle and the Holy of Holies, which is like right there, the dead center of, of the tabernacle, walk in, go through the veil. And what's funny to me is that they actually had like a rope on their ankle just in case they died because no one else could go in. And so they had like pull them out. It's kind of funny. I wouldn't want to be that guy. And so he goes with this rope around his ankle and he goes in the, the, the holy of holies where the presence of God is and, and he's in there with the blood he just sacrificed and, and he's the one having to, to sprinkle it on the things and, 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 and cover all the things and, and pray and say, Lord, like forgive the people. And for the people of Israel, like that was so real. Like, like if, if the high priest died, like something wrong was gonna happen. Like if the high priest didn't do his, his work and his thing, like it was so real for them that it was just, they're gonna be in a bad spot. But as we look at that moment, as we look at why the high priest had to do that, again, it was the day of atonement out of remembrance of what God did for the people of Israel when they were in Egypt. So if you remember that story of, of uh, the people being in Egypt and there's this last plague where God was gonna send the spirit of death and then God says to the people of Israel, hey, you need to go sacrifice this animal and then put the blood on the door because if you don't do that, the spirit of death is going to come and kill your firstborn. And so this whole day of atonement is to remember this whole day of, man, something and someone had to take our place. This, 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 this animal had to die and take the place of my firstborn son so they wouldn't be killed. And so there's all of these connections of why the high priest had to do what he had to do and why they had to make sacrifices and his role as the high priest. But then again, we see Jesus who came as the role and came to fulfill and complete this role of the most high priest. And so as we look at this God who sacrificed for us, there's these three points that I want us to get from this, this scripture right here. And here's the first one I want to give you. The first one comes from verses 11 and 12. 
And uh, the point goes like this, the priest who bled, the priest who bled. Because when we look at Jesus, we see that he as the priest is, is the priest who bled. And so we have to look at this and we have to look at verse 11 again. It says that when, G, when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, that says this, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands, that is to say, is not part of this creation. So we see that Jesus, man, when it talks about this more perfect tabernacle and talks about this tabernacle that's not part of this creation, it's really talking about heaven. Because when we look at the physical tabernacle that was built, well, that wasn't just someone's imagination. That was God telling them how to build it. And so it's like this somewhat representation of of the tabernacle of heaven. And so it's just talking about how Jesus has already gone through the most high tabernacle to get to us. And to be in this, in this physical tabernacle, this physical earth. And when we look at Jesus, it's so cool because he didn't have to make a sacrifice for himself before being in the heavenly tabernacle. And then again, we see when Jesus was on earth, he, he didn't have to make a sacrifice for himself to be able to walk into and to enter into the holy of holies. If anything, we think of Jesus and we think of him being on the cross in that moment when he takes his last breath, there's darkness, there's earthquakes, and then the veil is torn in the, in the tabernacle, which is crazy because like the, the whole veil was just ginormous. Like it was just so, so big and like someone couldn't just tear it with a sword. Like it just, it wasn't easy to tear. And so for the veil to be torn was just a miracle in itself. And when this veil is torn, it's literally saying, And helping us understand the power of God. The power of God in that moment and the power of his authority, but also the reality of God's presence. The reality of God's presence, of God's presence is not just here. God's presence is not just for one people. But God's presence is for all people at all times, for all of his creation. And all people have access to the Father through Jesus Christ our Lord. Through the person and the work of Jesus, God the Son. And you see, he didn't tear the veil and and he wasn't able to show us all of that because he sacrificed some goat or some calf. But that was able to happen because he literally shed his own blood. He was the priest who bled. And you look at verse 12 again, it says, verse 12 says, He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood thus entering eternal redemption. Again, Jesus as this high priest, he, he didn't come to earth and say, hey, let me show you how to make a sacrifice. Hey, hey let, me, let me show you the right way to sacrifice something. No, no, no. G- Jesus came and said, hey, we're done with those things. I'll sacrifice myself. So as this high priest, he's going, sacrifice me because I'm the perfect one that needs to take your place. I'm the perfect one who needs to pay your debt. I'm the perfect one who can show you and reveal to you who God the Father is. And so I want to read to you Hebrews chapter 7, verse 23 and 25 to 25. Because it just summarizes all of this really beautifully. It says, Now there have been many of those priests, since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever... He has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. 
You see, when we, when we look at the law, the law of Moses and the law of the Old Testament, we see that this law didn't make anybody perfect. If anything, this law that was given was given to show all of us and all the people of Israel how imperfect they were. So it wasn't able to make anyone perfect. But then you have Jesus, and he comes, and he's like, you know what? The law couldn't make you perfect, but I can. And I'm the one who can intercede for you, and, and I don't have to make a sacrifice for myself, but, man, I, I'm the sacrifice for you and for all people. And so for us personally, right, just to make it personal, like what, what should it mean and what does it mean for us that Jesus is the high priest, that Jesus is the priest who bled? Well, just to be super practical, we don't have to draw these drawings that we just saw. We don't have to draw these because not only do we not live in a culture that doesn't sacrifice animals still, but we understand biblically that when Jesus made that sacrifice, well, he made it once for all, and we no longer have to sacrifice any of these animals and shed any of this blood in order to be forgiven, but we know that Jesus shed his blood for us, for us to be forgiven, and that all we have to do is put our faith and trust in him and and, and it's just so fascinating because I just, I just want you to think of these little rams, like these little animals. Like I just want you to think of like being there in the moment they're tying up the ram and they're tying it up. Like just imagine the ram just squirming like, oh, you know, just, hey, come on, don't do that. Like they're fighting and they're trying to escape and they're trying to do all of these things like, hey, please don't put that knife to my neck. Like that'd be awesome. But then think about Jesus. Like Jesus as the perfect lamb of God is like, here you go. Jesus, as the perfect lamb of God, goes, I'm not going to try to squirm. I'm not going to try to escape. I'm going to willingly give you my life. I'm going to willingly do this. And Jesus was in control all the way up to the cross and beyond the cross. Jesus was in control even in his own suffering. Jesus was in control even to his last breath and beyond his last breath and resurrection. Jesus was in control the entire time. And as we think about Jesus as the high priest who sacrificed himself, well, if I can trust my Lord and Savior, who in his suffering was still in control, during this Christmas season, during the next year, man, I can still trust my Lord and Savior in my suffering, knowing that he's in control. In my suffering, knowing that even till my last breath, he's in control. Knowing that even in my, my last time or even in all the things that are going on, man, he's in control. And so another little practical thing that, that maybe might be helpful for some or, or just a great reminder is because of Jesus and, and how he's the mediator, we have access to the Father. And so we pray to the Father in the name of God the Son, through God the Holy Spirit. And so that's why we pray the way we pray in Jesus' name. And so I'm just thankful as I read this and, and just see Jesus as the high priest. Um, he is the one who entered the most holy place for us. And so then we keep on looking in verse 13. We, we see the second point that we don't just see the, the priest who bled, but we also see the priest who was blameless. And we're going to see that just a little bit more the priest who was blameless. And I want you to read verse 13 with me one more, one more time. Verse 13 says, The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are un ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. Verse 14, 
How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousness from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? Again, when we look at the Old Testament and and we just remember all of those sacrifices that were made, like we see very clearly that those sacrifices didn't change anything on the inside of people. Those sacrifices couldn't give those people a new heart. Those sacrifices couldn't give people a new consciousness and make them new creations. Those sacrifices were just this outward cleansing. And again, we look at Jesus, and it's only through Jesus that we can be internally made new, spiritually cleansed, spiritually made new, be transformed, be born again, new creations. And the blood of a ram or lamb or whatever physically couldn't clean and cleanse our consciousness, cleanse our heart. But only the blood of Jesus could do that. Only the blood of Jesus could touch our consciousness and then be able to cleanse us from all things. And so we see Jesus, he, he's the one who made a physical and a sacrificial, a spiritual uh, sacrifice. And then we see that, again, Jesus didn't come to show us how to sacrifice, but he came to be the sacrifice for us. There are all these things that's happening within here. And again, I just want to remind you of of the the job description, you could say, the job description of a high priest. You see, the job of the high priest was to sacrifice the animal. And I just, even if it was a thing, I just, I could never imagine a high priest in the Old Testament going, hey guys, uh, instead of sacrificing this thing, I'm just going to do it for you. I don't know, I think as human beings, and I, think, and I just think of these high priests, I, I just think that they would never, never go away from that job description. But I think of the job description of Jesus, and I just, as I continue to read, I just, the job description of Jesus was to sacrifice himself as the unblemished one before God. And so again, I just want to read Hebrews chapter 7 for us, verses, verses 26 to 28, because again, I think it's a great summary of all of this. It says, such a high priest truly meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the other people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests men in all their weakness, but the oath which came after the law appointed the Son, who has been made perfect forever. And so we see Jesus as this high priest who who meets our very need. And so I'm not going to try to get like super churchy or, or whatever, but like the reality is, is we have this high priest who, who meets our very need. And when I think about, again, the Christmas season and as I think about us being with our families a lot, uh, we talked about last week how for some reason the Christmas season always brings like the good, the bad, and the ugly in everybody, in our families. And it brings all this suffering and and trauma and problems. Um, But again, I read this and I see that we have a high priest who has met our need. And, And again, not to be whatever, but the biggest need for our families is that the gospel would change every aspect of them. The biggest need for that aunt or uncle that were like, oh my goodness, they're gonna, they're gonna come over to that house or oh man, I'm gonna see them. Their biggest need is for, is for the gospel to change every aspect of them. 
the, the mom or dad in, in our life that were like, oh man, you know, they're gonna be saying that again once we're eating at the table. Man, their biggest need is that the gospel would change them, that the gospel would change every aspect of them. You know, you just think about that whole family dynamic or, or you think about the, the guardians that will be around you or if you think about just the, your people, think about the people you're gonna be around this, this month. The people around you, the biggest need that they have is the gospel would transform every aspect of their life. Because when I think of us, when I think of, of just believers, man, our biggest need was to experience the presence of God and be able to understand the sacrifice that God made for us. To be able to understand that Jesus is the only way. And I think about that of the presence of God and, and the sacrifice of God. You know, again, I just want to make something super personal is that when I think about my family, um, I think that I have failed in some ways because, again, I just see God showing us, like, hey, I want to be present and I want to sacrifice for you. And I think back to my family this past year, and, and I'm like, man, was I really as present as I could have been? Did I really sacrifice for them as much as I could have? And it's really challenging for me to, to see how God has been so intentional to be present and to sacrifice. And so again, we're gonna be around our people and we're gonna be around family in the next couple of weeks. And my challenge for myself and my challenge for us as I just read this and just understand who Jesus was as this high priest is, man, what if we did the best that we could to be as present as we could be when we're with them and to sacrifice for them? and to show them the gospel and to speak the gospel, but to be present and to sacrifice for our people and our family. And uh, that's a challenge I have in my, in my personal life and want to extend to you just because, again, I think back to this year and I'm like, man, did I, did I do the best that I could have done? And sometimes I feel like I'm just failing at being present with my family and my people and sacrificing for my family and for my people um, because that's what I see Jesus doing. Because here's the third thing that we see Jesus doing as the priest, and we're going to teach you a little Spanish here. Uh, Jesus is the priest who, and here's a Spanish word, borró. The priest who borró. This Spanish word borró means um, to erase. To, um, well, really erase is probably the best translation there. The priest who erased. The priest who borró. So I want you to look at... um, Verse 15 with me. Verse 15 says, The reason Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom, set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. You see, Jesus, Jesus erased our sin. He came to to offer forgiveness, to sacrifice himself, to to be this mediator between God the Father and us. And and we were these captives to sin. We were were chained up and in these bars and and we were just there. And and the old covenant was just like, oh, hey, are you doing okay? But it's the new covenant that sets us free. It's a new covenant that wipes away. It's a new covenant that erases that sin. And now when, when God the Father sees us, he sees God the Son. And it's not anything that we did, but it's everything that Jesus did. And so we see this in, 
We see that Jesus is the only one that can provide forgiveness. He's the only one that can provide an eternal inheritance. Because really, the the Old Testament and the old sacrifices just provided this physical inheritance. But Jesus provides this eternal inheritance for us. And because of Jesus, he's like, hey, I'm going to make you clean. I'm going to cleanse you from your sin. And now you can partake and participate and, and, and be a part of this divine blessing that I have for you. But I want to make sure we understand this. That when it says that Jesus is mediator, we really need to understand what that means. Because sometimes when we think about mediator, we think of two people that are on the same playing ground. And there's this mediator going like, all right, hold on. Like, let's let's talk about this. Like, okay, you talk and then you talk and then you stop talking and you keep talking. Okay, and you stop talking and you keep, like, we think there's this, like, level playing ground. But you see, there is no level playing ground when it comes to God and comes to us. Because God is holy and and we are unholy. Like there is no level playing ground and we compare ourselves to the creator as the created beings. And so what Jesus did is that he's looking at us and he's looking at the Father and saying, hey, I know. I know that they're bad. Yeah, I know that they deserve death. Yeah, I know. I know that like they're literally the worst. I get it. I know. But man, you've crowned them with glory. Like I want to sacrifice myself for them. Man, I know I know, I, I know. But man, as the mediator, like, I'm going to save them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be with them. I'm going to forgive them. And I'm going to be this bridge for them. And so there's no common ground between us and God. But, but Jesus was this mediator who's like, hey, I agree with God the Father. I, I agree. Because I'm God too and I agree. Man, they still need saving. Man, we still love them. Man, they're still crowned with glory. Man, sacrificing for them is still so necessary. Yes, their sin deserves death and wrath. But man, let's extend forgiveness and love and grace. And so I want to read to you two scriptures again that that summarize all of this. The first one is uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. And it says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And so we see that we have this priest who erased our sins. And and what I love about Jesus is that he always extends that invitation. He always extends that invitation of like, hey, I sacrificed for you, man, follow me. Hey, I rose from the grave and proved to everyone that I was God, that I loved you. Man, come and follow me. There's always this, this invitation. But then there's also this challenge for the believer. And I want to read this challenge to you, and it's from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 5, 4 and 5. It says, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And so... Here's just a little challenge for us and for me. 
the most high priest, the highest priest. And First Peter is saying, hey, I'm building this house and you are a royal priesthood. You are someone who literally represents me. And you're someone who rules and, and I, wanna, I wanna give that to you. And it's just fascinating to me to just process that of what would it look like if, if we truly understood that the high priest looked at us and saying, hey, you represent me and, and, and I want you to be able to represent me wherever you are. And, and I want you to make sure that you know that the high priest is, is managing you as a priest. And, and what would it look like in our families and our lives if, if we walked around saying, man, I want to live every single moment of my life in a way that adores God instead of ignores him. And I want to wake up every single day and saying, Lord, help me adore you today because I think yesterday I might have ignored you. Lord, help me not not ignore you in, in this aspect of my life, but help me adore you in literally every aspect of my life. Because you have called me to be part of this royal priesthood with you. And so every aspect of my life, I want to say, God, I adore you, I adore you, I adore you. Because if you really think about it, there's moments in our life where we go, God, I ignore you, I ignore you, I ignore you, I ignore you, get out of here, I ignore you. And so my prayer, my challenge is that we would be people who wake up every day and say, God, I want to adore you today. And so with that, I, I want to pray for you and I want to pray for us. Um, and then we're going to continue to worship the Lord and the rest of our service. Lord, in this moment, I want to thank you so much. I want to thank you so much because there's just so much to unpack in regards to how you are uh, this high priest, how you didn't just come to show us how to sacrifice, but how you came to be the sacrifice for us. God, thank you that you fulfilled that role completely as as high priest. God, remind us and, and show us how we are to live lives that adore you in every aspect. And God, we repent for those moments that we have just clearly ignored your guidance and clearly ignored your leading or just ignored um, your word. God, I pray that we would remember of the, the priest, the, the priest who, who bled and who was blameless and who completely erased uh, our sin because you have forgiven us. Lord, thank you that we do have this eternal inheritance and have when we stand before God the Father, God the Father will, will see you, God the Son, representing us. Lord, we are, we are just so grateful for your mercy and for your grace and help us never forget Never forget how beautiful that is. Lord, I pray for the families represented in this room and all the heartaches and the suffering that may, may be going on. God, I pray that we would be people who, who stand firm and share the gospel with our actions and our words and show our families what it looks like to adore the Lord of all, the King of Kings, the greatest prophet and the greatest priest. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.